Welcome to Splash Play, a fantasy football, DFS, sports betting podcast. I hope you had some Dalvin Cook this week because I galaxy brained myself off of him, Spags. Did you rake in all the Dalvin Cook money this week? I had the even better outcome of actually playing an adequate amount of Dalvin Cook only to end up having him in all bad lineups tethered to assholes like Marvin Hall, Pete. But we have a, we have a lot to talk about. Let's, let's tease it so I can cry during the intro. We have, of course, Take the L's. We have the breakdown of the Ride or Die picks. We've got some Thrive Fantasy picks and some Ride or Die picks for Monday Night Football and the Waiver Wire. So if you are a person just searching for Waiver Wire shows, you can do that with us next. And uh, Pete, say one thing so I can transition over to the music. <laughs> One thing, first bag. I always got your back. What a, what a team effort it is. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of a sad, terrible Sunday night football edition of Splash Play, where we will take you through all the things that happened in week nine, all the things you need to know coming up for week 10, and all the other things that are hurting us in the world of fantasy football. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again, my, my Splash Play brother. Uh, you are the Clay Thompson to my Steph Curry, or I guess maybe the Steph to my Clay. Peter Overzet, how are you doing, Pete? Wow. What, how about can we? How about we modernize it a little bit? Can we be the the Anthony Davis and LeBron James instead? They don't splash. Like they're not like splash. Oh, brothers. that's true. They're not the Splash Bros. Yeah. No. So that's got's only for us and only for you guys out there. If you're watching this or listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you are one of our Splash Bros. Uh, which kind of sounds like Eskimo Bros. And I think about it, we might need to <laughs> we need to think this through a little more. Either way, though, we appreciate you tuning in. However, you're finding us, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple podcast give us five stars and a review uh, we actually you know the podcast listeners keep going up but the reviews have stayed flat pete and i'm putting you on the spot here give the people a compelling argument where they should leave us five stars and a review on apple Podcasts. yeah so think of it this way that you know the itunes reviews like if you leave a comment on youtube which we really appreciate and want you to do i mean it has kind of an ephemeral nature. You know, these videos get lost to the sands of time. But if you leave an iTunes review, that is like, if Spags and I had a wedding, you know how you have a guest book and everyone comes in and signs the guest book. And then for the rest of time, you and your partner can review that guest book and, and the people who had a great time sharing that moment with you. An iTunes review is the guest book of a podcast. So Spags and I have entered into holy matrimony and now we want you to be a part of our special day so we could go back a year from now when we're eating frozen cake out of our freezer and reviewing all the good times we had with you, the Splash Play listeners. I just pulled that analogy out of my ass and I feel pretty good about it. That was pretty good. That was also like, I felt like that you're drinking red wine. I could see that was like a very red wine analogy, whereas like tequila Pete might've gotten a little risque, I would think. You're, you're very, you're, that's, you're, you're spot on. Yes, I, I'm feeling very uh, monogamous here and, uh, and and feeling good, yeah. And my dog was also barking during it too because uh, my girlfriend's out, uh, you went to her friend's place or whatever. Her friend is also quarantining. We're not, we're, we're socially responsible people here on Splash Play. And uh, the dog now, anytime there's any sort of sound, a light breeze in the hallway, she assumes it's my girlfriend coming back. So uh, Pete, not ideal recording situations, but that's what our friends over at Thrive Fantasy are paying for. So go check them out. Follow at Thrive Fantasy. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or on Google Play. And they're our first sponsor. So we want you guys to help support them. We saw some signups coming through, but you should get in because they're offering you, you, yes, you watching this, a deposit bonus. You could get a match up to $50 on there. If you deposit at least $20 over at Thrive Fantasy, go to thrivefantasy.com and use the promo code SPLASH or download it on the App Store and use that promo code SPLASH. Either way, though, they're giving you free money and we are doing a free roll with them, a contest where you can compete against me and Pete next week and that is what the thrive difference is is that they get us and you can go and embarrass us just like the ride or die picks do every week Uh, so please go sign up thrivefantasy.com use the promo code splash download it in the app store download in the play store or visit thrivefantasy.com sign up and prop up today Pete we're propping up dude who called I mean imagine not taking Stefan Diggs over 65 yards on thrive fantasy as touted 
by Peter Overzet on Thursday evening. That is true. Pete did, in fact, get the first Thrive Top pick. You may have noticed if you are following us on at Splash Play Pod, we tweeted out the picks as we always do. And uh, yeah, you are the commemorative, the the first ever a winner of our Thrive Top pick, Pete. So uh, that's one you could take and put along with the rest of the scrapbook that we're developing over our matrimony. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm going to print that one off, put it on the fridge and uh, we'll be good to go. I mean, that's the whole thing about, you know, virtual world. I hear, you know, virtual art is one of the hot new things right Mm -hmm. now. I I still need something tangible. So when I get a good call right online, I like to print it off, hang it up. You know, I I just I need that experience. I honestly know you're like you're joking, but I actually do think digital art. I do not get that at all. I saw that on Twitter the other day, I guess, an Ethereum art thing or something where it's tied to blockchain. I, I admit, like, I know enough enough you know bitcoin slash blockchain things to have made some money off of bitcoin but i i really like all jokes aside pete do you foresee getting into the virtual art collecting game because I, like i need to touch something i don't need to own a cd or a record but like for art i, I don't want to just like have it on my computer like all the pornography that adds up <laughs> so i'm of two minds i agree with you i personally don't see the appeal of it right now for me but conceptually i get it like so much of our lives are now online everyone puts so much stock into how many followers you have how many views you have and like also scarcity is is a big thing too so if they're able to marry that idea of like a scarcity with owning and i've heard fractional investing too you know you own a part of this thing like at this point our lives are so blurred online that i do think we'll see that barrier continue to get stripped away to where you and me probably in five years will go in on a you know a, a robbie anderson <laughs> online painting together that we'll own and we'll be very excited about it it's probably what i'll get you for our five-year anniversary that's that's very sweet that is the robbie anderson anniversary of course as we all know uh but we got to talk about the week nine big stories here and it wouldn't be a week on splash play if we weren't baffled and befuddled by our results relative to you guys out there who get so much great information from the show you're able to build lines whether we tell you how to do it or not and that is the case once again one of our nearest and dearest viewers not a listener he hates the podcast form um so if you want to spite him subscribe on apple podcast but mangione motorsports pete a million dollars and a tournament of champions ticket. So uh, how do you feel about old Mangione? Uh, old Mangione, huh? like Ben DiNucci, uh, one of our Italian paisans. I just, I, I honestly can't believe it. You know, I've seen people in the comments and they're like, man, splash play listeners are due for regression. They can't keep winning the Millie. And I'm like, no, I agree with you. But it just keeps happening week after week. And uh, I'm humbled. I'm honored. And uh, the fact that these guys keep tailing us and winning a million dollars, all I would ask is a, a tip. You know, it would be nice if one of these guys would shoot a little. Is your Venmo open, Spags? Oh, it is at Chris Spags. Yeah, I keep the same <laughs> handle and everything just in case people want to try and send money to me. Yeah, no, uh, me too, uh, at Peter Dash Overzet. So yeah, definitely, if you did just win a million dollars, uh, it'd be great to hook us up, but no pressure. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Buy some merch too. We have the link down in the description. That's that's the same thing as giving us a several thousand dollar tip, I'm sure. But the uh, the QB here for Mangione Motorsports, uh, here's where he perhaps took our information in a creative roundabout way where we might have said, uh, actually, Pete, I don't know if you said, you might have actually on one of your other shows been like, yeah, Drew Locke's a good play. I was like, Drew Locke, don't be an asshole and <laughs> play Drew Locke. But obviously, that's just me trying to get at you guys to attack your masculinity or femininity and then you go and you go like oh i'm gonna play drew lock to spite him and then it turns out that was the right advice all along but drew lock millionaire maker winning quarterback there you go yeah he was uh he was one of the cheap ones there uh i you know it made sense with that judy stack i think it was smart to stay on judy i got a little spooked with tim patrick being out Mm. we had seen or coming back we had seen him really being kind of the alpha there for a while once sutton went down so yeah, uh, it wasn't pretty. It never is with Drew Locke, but uh, but he got there. And then I believe you said he was able to jam in Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, right? Yes, he was. I Actually, I, I didn't say that. Do you look at the lineup? <laughs> I did. I had looked at it earlier. <laughs> okay. yeah. So you prepared. Pete did his prep work. So I let's first of all applaud that. That's a, <laughs> a monumental moment here on Splash Play for both of us. But yeah, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey got jammed in there. He also got to Keenan Allen. Uh, and again, these are some of the higher priced guys that you can pay up for. Uh, didn't go to Julio. So that's one trap that he avoided despite playing Drew Locke. But yeah, Pete, it just seems like a savvy move here to go to guys and Cook and McCaffrey. People were debating, oh, do I play Cook or McCaffrey? turns out the answer was just to jam them both in and figure it out. Yeah, I know. And I'm actually, again, kind of glad that this lineup won. I had looked at one earlier in the day that I think ended up in third place. And there was like no correlation 
whatsoever. Uh, played Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel with no Chiefs players, all this stuff. And when you see those kind of lineups, you just say to yourself, how could I ever win a million dollars? Like I, I'm, I'm literally filling out a lottery ticket. So when someone wins a million dollars with Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey and, you know, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen or Drew Locke, I mean, and Judy, like that adds up to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that checks out. Like that stack, those players, it, it works. That could be me. And it should be me considering all of these listeners winning on my advice. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is uh, yeah, that is exactly what it is. You're owed really that success that they've taken for themselves. But I um, mean, yeah, interesting construction here uh, and not quite as crazy. And I think it's worth pointing out real fast. We do have some casual players out there, maybe newer to DFS, been playing season long for a while. But we talk a lot about correlation. All the DFS shows you probably will watch out there talk about it because that's really the most important part for making a lineup pop. And even if it is sort of a basic one like Drew Locke with Jerry Judy, you know, that's Jerry Judy's a guy who's taking a lot of production off the table, uh, Tim Patrick aside. So that's sort of why you can do that stack. And um, it's just not as wise to pull the random players together without any sort of connection because it's like a slot machine. And that's the the basic, simple way of saying it. Um, That was probably longer than an elevator pitch. Other players he had here, Terry McLaurin going off after his big day, paying down for Jonu Smith. Uh, He also went to Gabriel Davis, who was a part of that Bills game that everybody loved. Josh Allen throws for 400 yards. People might expect that. But Diggs and John Brown, not quite enough to win a tournament and Pete apparently Gabriel Davis just being on the field and catching a touchdown at a cheap salary was enough to do it yeah this was I was looking through lineups today uh at the top of the leaderboards and it was kind of a common theme that I saw of taking a super low owned cheap wide receiver in a good game environment. So I saw it with Gabriel Davis here I saw a team that won the juke the $400 three max they had Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, and then they correlated Dalvin Cook with Danny Amendola and correlated Christian McCaffrey with Demarcus Robinson, both of those guys in the 3000s for price range. And it makes a ton of sense. It's like you have to free up salary to be able to afford those guys, but then you also get them in the same game. So you hope things speed up and you assume, hey, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, uh, whatever, Seattle's putting up points. We're going to need to throw to catch up. So I I think that's a sneaky thing and and something I want to think about more for my own lineups. And here's one thing about the lineup. Uh, John Smith with his tight end, which did make sense. Uh, Mangione, of course, we all know he loves John Smith more than anybody. But also, you know, just a way to pay down a tight end, the guy who has some upside. Uh, that's That was another weak tight end week. Um, and even though Travis Kelsey had almost 30 fantasy points, I guess you still didn't need him. You just had to go a different direction. Here's one place, though, you know, not to critique, of course, because uh, it is, you know, you won a million dollars. How could you critique that? But playing Terry McLaurin and the Giants defense, not the most plus EV move. You know, I get that it worked out today. But generally not when you're trying to do on a big slate. You know, the Giants got there. They're actually one of my top defenses today, which I felt pretty good about. But it's still, you know, like playing with McLaurin, for the most part, not going to work out for you. Yeah, I know. Well, the, the Millie Maker lineups always have a feeling of those showdown lineups, right? Mm-hmm. Where you look at the winning showdown and you're like, you played two running backs from the same team? Like, how would that ever work out? And that's how the Millie Maker lineups feel, where you're like, the, the correlation does not add up. If you looked at it in a big sample size, it would show you don't want to do a wide receiver against your defense, but in a one game sample, anything can happen. And, uh, and that's what our listener was able to do. They just trusted their process. They ignored the correlations and, and they're Millie maker winners now. And now they'll be dabbling in all the motorsports they want. So congratulations to Mangione Motorsports and everybody else who was able to pick out some wins out there. And uh, one guy who drove a lot of those wins, as we talked about, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Petey blows up the slate once again, and we kind of debated him a little bit last week, whether he's a guy who you kind of, you know, mandatory exposure on a given week because of what we saw and what we've seen with him really whenever he's getting the workload. And I think the case again being made here, I'm, I'm sure he'll be priced up to 9K on DraftKings. I'm sure a comparable amount on FanDuel. Um, the props on Thrive Fantasy are probably going to be a little bit tougher for him. But I still think if you're in a spot where Minnesota, you know, that defense looking slightly better, at least not completely incompetent, if they keep these guys in the game, like Dalvin Cook's going to get the work and he is just an absolute monster who also looked like a complete dickhead in the press conference afterwards. I did see the photo, but I didn't. Was he talking like a dickhead? He, he just sounded like a, like an R and B star who would like just <laughs> got, like blown up and was like trying to really project that I'm so cool. Which, hey, if you're a running back, like that's a, a position mostly aligned with intensity and violence and all that. So I kind of respect that he's just coming in with some smooth jazz and making it work. 
Yeah, I mean, this one was a tough spot for me. Obviously, uh, Dalvin Cook projected very well on the slate. And I, I'm actually glad Spags reminded me, you know, I do all these DFS shows and we get like really in the weeds about stuff. So I realize if you don't play as much as DFS, like hearing me be down on Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. you're like, what is this guy smoking? Like he was the best play on the slate. My thing for DFS was I was like, I don't think Derrick Henry's ceiling and Christian McCaffrey's ceiling is that different. And they were going to come in with a fraction of the ownership. So I didn't end up playing him. And again, I play four or five lineups. If I made a hundred lineups, I'm sure I would have had, you know, 10 to 15% Dalvin cook, but he didn't make it into, to my four or five lineups, but man, yeah, he looks great. I I saw some people say like, he should be in the MVP conversation. Not going to go that far, but he does look like the best running back in football right now. Yeah. And the contract was a bit of a discount too. You know, it doesn't really matter for what our purposes are on this show, but if you're looking at it holistically, like I think they're getting their money's worth, uh, probably the same case with the next guy. We're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey, but um, I would say for me, Dalvin Cook was a guy I had 30% of today and made sure to get there. And I do think that's going to be where it is, where if the ownership at a site like Osmo, some of the other sites out there, Roto Grinders, a lot of a lot of places out there that have made improved strides to have a projected ownership that actually does some work for you and helps you get a good read on where things are going. Like, I think you got to be with Dalvin Cook, you know, other than maybe playing the Bucks. I think, you know, any or, you know, some of these other really stout defensive matchups or if, you know, the Vikings are a 14 point dog against a, a non Green Bay defense, like maybe don't play Dalvin Cook as much then, but. I just feel like you have to get a taste of him and McCaffrey, who, uh, to segue over to him, he's back. Mike Davis's role, perhaps a bit overstated. Davis had one carry, five catches on six targets for Davis, compared to 18 carries, 10 catches on 10 targets, and two touchdowns for McCaffrey. And Pete, where did you fu- land in your final exposures with McCaffrey? Because uh, Cook, you weren't on enough, but maybe McCaffrey you got to as a pivot? So I had uh, one or two lineups with McCaffrey, but I, it was way more like I was overweight McCaffrey. And then I saw, cause there were basically two reports. Like the one early in the week was like, dude, he's good to go. They wouldn't rush him back full workload. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get this guy at 5% ownership. Let's do it. And then God, I, I want to curse so bad, but I want this to remain a family friendly show. Ian Rappaport comes out with a report that says him and Mike Davis are going to alternate drives. And I'm like, okay, I want to rethink this in some of my hand build lineups. I really like Derrick Henry. Why take on the risk of Christian McCaffrey at his price alternating drives? So I ended up getting off Christian McCaffrey a good amount and um, never again with Ian Rappaport. Like I'm done. And once he got suspended from Twitter, he lost his mojo. He's too busy worried about keeping his pubes nice and trimmed with a uh, manscaped or whatever. And now, now his his luscious wood floor has not led to the gains in his reporting. Yeah, I don't know. Did you did you see that report and did you react to it? I, at so all? like I saw the Matt Rule comments to SiriusXM, which I think was the one that you know he was basically like, yeah, you know, we can want both guys to get work. We don't have to rely on Christian McCaffrey. And I feel like that sort of got spun out of control. Like we have to see the snap counts; those aren't out. I didn't. I'm not tracking them by hand or anything like that. So unfortunately, that's something we'll have to talk about more on Thursday. But I wasn't afraid of it. I just didn't know that McCaffrey was a guy I needed to get to because you had that cheaper price range of guys like. You know, Chase Edmonds, you had the you had Chase Edmonds, James Conner, a great duo to have a lot of exposure to. And I was like, yeah, I don't need McCaffrey. And obviously that ended up being a very poor decision. I know. And that's kind of the thing about you live and die by fading the chalk. I also didn't have any James Conner and Chase Edmonds. So it's like, okay, you win a few, but then you also don't have Dalvin Cook and enough Christian McCaffrey. So you, you, you can play that game and it's a, sometimes a bit of chicken. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there's, there's a difference, right? Between a Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, proven track record, bell cow, elite talents. They're going to get pass work. The teams are going to commit to them versus a guy like Chase Edmonds, who's stepping into a new role without Kenyon Drake, or even a guy like James Conner, who we've seen lose goal line work to a Benny Snell or get game scripted out and have injury concerns. So like they're not in the same tier of play. So I do think it makes sense why Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook were such good plays relative to the other chalk. I have to say, I don't get why James Conner didn't work out today. Like, that's one. I mean, granted, the game script didn't quite work out the same. Uh, Dallas projected to be one of the lower scoring teams on the slate. Garrett Gilbert, a uh, guy who I think we talked about on Thursday a little. or I, I talked about him on something. I actually I'm doing more shows again, so I'm getting a little bit of that Pete Hayes where you don't know where you talked about anything at any given time. But, um, you know, Garrett Gilbert was an AAF MVP, a more seasoned hand than a Ben DiNucci, who you know, maybe they're fundamentally the same player. But, you know, being in your late 20s or mid 20s like Gilbert, 
Gilbert is having a little more time bouncing around the league, seeing some different things. Like I think he stepped into a Pittsburgh spot that was pretty close to unwinnable and he almost won it. So I think that's, that's pretty impressive there. But um, I would say with James Conner, I just, I don't know why they didn't run the ball. <laughs> they stopped running the ball. And Ben is like, I'm going to throw it over and over again, even though I'm hurt, even though I have to leave before halftime and Mason Rudolph comes in. And I just don't get why they didn't just go like, yeah, we know we can run the ball down the Cowboys throat. Let's do it. Like Condor to me, I'm, I'm upset. I'll go back there because he always pops up for me. But man, like that was one I just didn't get coming in at all. Yeah. I mean, that one was tricky. I didn't think Connor was a bad play at all. I also wonder too, like, there are, there are a couple things that are interesting. One, we see historically the Steelers have really played down to their competition. Mm-hmm. That's been a hallmark of the Mike Tomlin era as well. So you have a little bit of that going on. And then I also think Big Ben is one of those handful of quarterbacks in the league, along with these veterans like Drew Brees and Tom Brady, where the offensive coordinators kind of seed you know, decision-making to them and they let them, you know, audible out of run plays and stuff. And I think when you're a quarterback like Big Ben, he's probably audibling out of a lot of run plays. He's like, just let me throw it. Like, I just want to throw it. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. And, you know, the Steelers do have a lot of weapons. And I think we see these games where it just gets really spread around and they're not necessarily going to commit to one thing. And uh, another big news item, which I think is interesting, is people in the the mainstream media, the lamestream media, as I like to call them for fun, just <laughs> whenever they're doing anything I don't like, then I could call them that and uh, be just like our president. But um, I would say that this Atlanta situation with them just giving up big leads, uh, up 20 to three at halftime, then Drew Locke, we talked about, ends up being the millionaire maker winning quarterback, digs them out of that hole after just a terrible first half. And Pete, I think we have to add Atlanta to the groups of these teams where, you know, Dallas, Houston, we talked about it. Houston ended up having some nice results for uh, Jake Luton going against them today. But like Atlanta, I don't see how you don't get some exposure now. Like I think Drew Locke still mostly kind of sucks. Like the accuracy isn't there. Um, he does throw it deep. So like like a young Josh Allen, that could sometimes be enough to prop him up. But Atlanta, like they look good for half and then it just all goes completely downhill. And I don't know what the solution or the reason for that is. Yeah. They are uh, a snake bitten team. They also, you know, we are now at the point in the season where, you know, the flow chart, right. It's emerged of teams you play against. And I, you know, the two that come to mind is you start quarterbacks and wide receivers against the Seahawks and you start them against the Falcons. Like these teams just give it up week after week. I, and also too, um, they uh, they like to play fast as well. You know, the, the Falcons aren't trying to run the ball 30 times with Todd Gurley and the game slows down. I mean, they just keep chucking. Uh, it doesn't matter if Calvin Ridley's out. They're going to keep throwing. So, yeah, I mean, going into this season or into this game, Drew Locke's average pass yards was around 175 a game. He cleared 300 yards in this game. His prop was 280 yards. And even I was like, wow, that's a big number for a guy averaging 170. So, yeah, the Falcons are very forgiving to opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, it's uh, worth keeping in mind, and uh, they're going to be a, still another half a season worth of Falcons games, and I really would think that uh, once you see Drew Locke accomplish something in a meaningful way against them, uh, probably anybody can. Um, and let's see what else. I'm trying to think if there's any other big news items. Anything else jump out to you for Week 9, Pete, before we go hit the rest of our segments, including uh, the L's that we want to take for Week 9? Yeah, I mean, the I mean the one that's kind of developing right now is just how bad Tom Brady looks. Yeah. They're getting their asses kicked by the Saints. Yeah, it's a, a very ugly Sunday night football game. I actually texted Pete. We normally try to record a little bit before halftime, you know, uh, closer to that on Thursdays. And I was like, this game is terrible. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to watch it anymore. Like, let's just do the show. And I thought this was a nice spot coming in for Tom Brady, who's spread the ball around pretty well. The New Orleans secondary has been down again this year, though they seem to start slow every year for whatever reason uh, over the last couple seasons. And uh, Mike Evans was the guy I picked in our ride or die picks to be the showdown captain. And I don't think he's had a catch yet unless something has happened while we've been recording and I like I don't want to read too much into it because Brady's looked more good than not and the Saints were probably due to get better getting Michael Thomas back also going to help on that side of the ball but I don't know that I would have a ton of faith in the Bucks if this is their floor like it's a really bad floor and they have more weapons than any team probably has in terms of their receivers yeah I think it's bad and also as far as you know 
ultimately, I, I still think the Bucks are a good team, and I think they're going to have good fantasy days, or, or, or sorry, good you know real life days. But when you look, like in the first quarter, you know you get Antonio Brown back, you have Chris Godwin back, and you still have Tyler Johnson getting catches. You still have Scotty Miller getting targets. You know you have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones each with two receptions. Like this offense could be so spread out to the point it is a real disaster for fantasy. Yeah, it's uh, definitely been. We've seen that for the most part. The the snaps uh, have been pretty solid in terms of Mike. In terms of Mike Evans, in terms of Chris Godwin, he's been available. In terms of Scotty Miller, and one of those guys hasn't been available. But um, the the touchdowns it does seem like they do get spread around pretty well. And Evans' target share, um, his projection, I thought was interesting because I was fo- tracking a couple sites today. A lot of sites dropped his projection throughout the day. And I wonder if he might be one of those guys now who you carry that bias coming into this year. Like Tom Brady is not looking for him like Jameis Winston did. He's not throwing up those 50-50 balls. And um, and the ones that he did throw so far in this game tonight, like Antonio Brown, I think, at least from what I could tell from the half-paying attention I've been since we were recording, Antonio Brown might have as many deep shots as Mike Evans, if not more. Like It might be time to just to get out on Mike Evans, play him a little bit in DFS when the matchup fits. But like I don't know how you trust this guy even in season long. Yeah, I'm worried about him. I definitely have him in multiple season-long spots, and uh, I'm nervous. And especially with how much, you know, Tom Brady, first of all, he wanted Antonio Brown to come in here. He's been courting him. He, he you know, he played with him last year for that one game where he came in and, and garnered all of these targets. And then on top of that, Tom Brady seems to like these kind of route runner technicians. Like, it's the same reason, like, Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller are appealing to him. I think he likes the high percentage throws, you know, the, the ones that don't have much risk associated to it. And you mentioned the 50, 50 balls with Mike Evans, those have more risk And these quarterbacks. They don't want to turn the ball over. They don't want to unnecessarily throw interceptions, which is good for their team, but not good for fantasy. It's why we love Jameis Winston. He Hmm. did not care. He will throw it into the tightest window possible. And yeah, you get some interceptions, but man, that is great for fantasy. And so yeah, I think this is a situation where the fantasy value for this entire team could really crater. I think it's something too, where it's just, you know, having Antonio Brown out there, like I was making my showdown lineups for tonight and really, you know, I ended up having a lot of Evans, a lot of Godwin, which so far not looking great with the team down uh, four touchdowns and uh, maybe might, might be close to time for Tom Brady to get pulled from the game. Uh, but it, it just, to me, like that whole situation worries me a bit where if you have any investment in these guys, um, you know, Evans, the target share is down. And, and I think too, it's one thing to point out where like Drew Locke had a big day today. He's been throwing the ball deep a lot. Josh Allen's a guy I point to historically where he's taken a lot of deep shots. Uh, Jake Luton came in and I don't have his full count, but he had either seven or eight deep targets today. Like taking the deep shots to me is almost like if you're like a mid-major in the NCAA tournament and you're just popping up a bunch of threes, like you probably want that volatility more for those guys who kind of suck. Whereas Tom Brady thinks, oh, I don't need this. And I think Tom Brady actually does need this. Like, I think he needs to just be like, yeah, let me let Mike Evans make a play because this offense is just one of the most like up and down offense I think we've seen all year. Yeah. And and you also wonder too about, I mean, Antonio Brown didn't, didn't play football for a year. He's, he's learning the playbook. You, you wonder how much is Tom Brady going out of his way to, I don't know, um, make him look good or, or try to appease him here early. And it definitely their rhythm doesn't look like uh, it's in sync right now. So let's talk, uh, let's talk, take the L and make sure if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple podcast, give us five stars and a review. And if you're listening on Spotify, I don't know, just, just uh, touch yourself. <laughs> I guess so you, so you get some sort of positive feedback loop from this. I think that's the, the logic behind it. I, I think you, when you're done touching yourself, you just make a, a quick detour over to iTunes, leave a review, and then you come back to touching yourself while listening. That's true. Spotify. You could still just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, even if you prefer Spotify as a platform. I don't, I don't know why I default to, to masturbation, but self-love is important, I think, even, a, even in No Nut November. That's... <laughs> after this slate i need some self-love that's for sure (laughs) we do but now is a little time for some self-flagellation time to take the l and uh this is one l i need to take because i mean it's one that i think a lot of us can share out there because this player is one of the chalkiest players of the week in dfs but tyler lockett um the slot going against buffalo has been the best matchup on the board for the most part this year and uh he was covered in some different ways tredavious white was not shadowing metcalf went in the slot a couple times from what i could see with just naked eye as uh, the red zone skipping around but um i i don't know what went wrong here again but the same adage seems to be true each week where there's only gonna be one of lockett and metcalf going off unless they play the cowboys 
Yeah, uh, this was an interesting one too. And for DFS, like I didn't fault people like in a vacuum, if they are all things equal price, whatever, like give me Metcalf every time, but he was a thousand dollars more on DraftKings and had the better matchup. So I don't fault people for that ownership getting up there, though. I do think it is kind of one of those exploitable things generally where, you know, people, we get a little worried about the cornerback matchup. I know people didn't want to play DJ Chark. Uh, partly because of Luton being the new quarterback, but also because they didn't like the cornerback matchup. And I think sometimes we overrate these things uh, for guys who are, you know, you know, out of this world athletes like DK Metcalf or someone who's going to get a ton of targets like DJ Chark. So I think they're good tiebreakers, but we probably shouldn't read into them too much. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a worth pointing out uh, situation there. And, you know, it, it also just can coincide where DJ Chark ended up getting some more work. Uh, Bradley Roby also got scratched uh, because of disciplinary reasons yesterday. So that did make the matchup better. And um, I want to circle back to that one for the victory laps because that's that's one of my victory laps. So I need to have <laughs> whatever ones I can get. But Pete, any L's do you want to take here? I feel like I took the Drew Locke one too. Like I just, that, to me, that just wasn't a play that I wanted to make. But um, that's an L. But anyone that you have that jumps to mind? Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my rider die picks to see one of my more egregious L's. I'll take DJ Moore, I said, would outscore Travis Kelsey. And um, I was on the wrong side of both of those in that Travis Kelsey just continues to dominate, doesn't even score, but just getting so much yards after catch, just wide open uh, routinely. I mean, just not even close, the best tight end in the game right now. And DJ Moore, like I keep trusting that his role would bounce back we've seen the highs and yet um i think he's so capable of those highs but the consistency is just not going to be there especially now that they have christian mccaffrey back kind of dominating the workload there i think he's still probably the one b to robbie anderson so i have to take the l there on dj moore who i thought um, I still think of him as this alpha, but the production just has not been there to back that up. And the QB changes, I mean, and that's also a situation kind of like the Bucks, where, you know, a big QB change where the offense materially changes the Carolina, a different team. And I think too, you know, I don't want to segue back to Carolina because we talked about them, but we were bullish on them coming into this year. And I feel like today they did kind of show like, they might be the best team in the South, depending on the day, like on a game to game basis. I think they could beat the Bucks right now and they could beat the Saints. I don't know. If they could win the division, but like to, as a team to watch, like that was a really hell of an effort by them going against Kansas City. Yeah, they look good. That Teddy Bridgewater where he took flight there on that uh, yeah. that conversion there for the first down. The one narrative that I think has now shifted is that and I've said it myself. I'm like, oh, what we love about the Panthers is that they have such a condensed target tree because the tight end's not involved. It all goes through Robbie and DJ Moore, but we've really seen Curtis Samuel emerge these past two weeks. They're using him in the backfield. You know, he was getting a red zone carry where he almost got in the end zone uh, a couple times there. Did he actually get a rushing touchdown? He, he got one touchdown. I don't remember how it came. If I thought it might've been a jet sweep type thing. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it was a jet sweep, but the, yeah. And then I was remembering another time where he just got a pure uh, red zone carry. So that's an issue. And I think the both Robbie and DJ Moore are going to feel that because when they're getting each eight to 10 targets, I mean, they're smash plays, but if Curtis Samuel is coming in here and stealing it, now we have more of a, a distribution that's more similar to most NFL offenses. And I am going to retire the phrase condensed target share for the Panthers going forward. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's one of these situations, too, where now that McCaffrey's back, especially, uh, we saw McCaffrey get a deep target that he, he did in addition to the 10 catches he had, or I guess it's part of the 10 catches he had. And I would say, you know, that there's another team where you could probably get away before with going to two of the three receivers. And now, you know, it feels like one and a half of the receivers plus McCaffrey is really the, the safe option there. And you can't you're not really supposed to stack a running back with your quarterback because they're still running the ball enough times that they're taking some production away from a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. So going to be a tough team to unpack, but certainly uh, the offense starting to click in a way that it did not the early part of the season. And that's probably going to happen too when you get Christian McCaffrey back. Uh, let's do some victory laps and Pete, I'll let you go first here. Cause I I'm saving this Jake Luton one. I want to talk a lot. I honestly could do an hour podcast about Jake Luton. Cause I, I loved everything I saw from this dude. And, and it made me sad that your boy Visca got hurt and he's just sadly riding the bike when he, like, this was supposed to be his day. We talked about it. Ben Gretsch, our, our pal yards per Gretsch on Twitter, uh, took him and, uh, yet not, <laughs> not good for Visca on a day where everything else is rising for the Jags. Yeah, I mean, I think he would have had a solid day. I mean, but when you leave in the first quarter with a hamstring injury, it's uh, it's GG. Good game, hit the showers there. 
Um, yeah, it was weird too, because man, that the start of that game was incredible with the chart quick touchdown. And then the Brandon cooks quick touchdown. I was like, Holy cow, are we going to get like 80 points in this game? It did end up sputtering out, but, um, that's one of the benefits of if you can stomach those gross stacks, uh, with the cheap guys you can build in. Like if you play a Luton to chark, like you can plug in Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin cook. So yeah, you can definitely take a, a victory lap on that one. Um, let's see here. Uh, I had AJ Brown outscoring Derek Henry. Uh, I think I can take that one yeah, that was a nice as one. a, as a victory lap there. I don't in our ride or die picks. I don't think I had too many other hits here as I'm scanning it. As far as my, my, uh, my victory laps, did I miss any others? Did I mean, Willis you got the there? thrive pick, right? And I think that's the biggest victory lap you can have getting a, a pick right at thrive, where if you use that promo code splash Pete, they're getting double their deposit back. So, uh, to me there, what victory could possibly be bigger than getting double your bonus? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll victory lap Stefan Diggs again. He was one of the pieces of chalk that I was just willing to eat. You know, there's a lot of chalk that I'm, I, if I think like, hey, I can get similar production at less ownership, I'm going to do it. And Diggs was just a guy that I wanted to play everywhere because I just thought everything lined up for him to have a nice game. And he smashed even without getting in the end zone. So mm-hmm. a, a little tilting to see Josh Allen throw touchdowns to all those other guys, but Diggs still gets there. Yeah, it was uh, Tyler Croft caught a touchdown. Gabriel Davis, we talked about him earlier. He had a touchdown. Um, a little bit unfortunate for Diggs. Did John Brown get a touchdown too? Brown had a nice day. It was nice to see Brown back, and I feel like that that sort of makes that stack a little more logical now, having Diggs and Brown both available. Yeah, no, yeah, John Brown didn't get in the end zone either, but it was just weird where Brown and Diggs had great days uh, racking up catches, and then all the ancillary guys, uh, Gabriel Davis, Tyler Croft, Isaiah McKenzie, all scored and uh and josh allen had a rushing td as well so it was a good day to run uh, a naked josh allen or, or just josh allen to uh to digs and i'll say for me one more victory lap that i'll take which is not the bravest one but i do think um it's kind of a lesson that I, we really are drilling it i think in people's heads a bit more than um than maybe other shows would but um you know the idea of chalk especially in dfs people always run away from it and it's like no you can you could take a guy like dalvin cook and play him and i think that's one thing that i would really like to impart to people is that you know there's going to be weeks where it doesn't go as well for you where you know you get that james connor week and he's not great but pete talked about it earlier like dalvin cook's getting 20 to 30 touches a game he's an explosive player he's got one of the best missed tackle rates in the league like all the things check out for him where you just got to kind of trust those guys, trust the studs, play the good players. It's a kind of a trite thing to say that people have started, or, you know, started years ago saying in DFS in particular. But I think, you know, for me, that's one thing I felt good about. Like, even though I played Derrick Henry, even though I played, you know, some of the Connor, some of the uh, Chase Edmonds, like just having Dalvin, I was like, thank God I didn't miss out on this guy who's been amazing. And you would feel like an idiot if you don't play him when he goes off for the second straight week. Uh, you just described me. I'm the idiot who didn't <laughs> you, play him. <laughs> you're too clever for your own good. That's really the bigger issue. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm always outsmarting myself. I mean, the one thing that no one can take away from me is how little cumulative ownership I have in my lineups. <laughs> and uh, next segment here before we got stat shaming coming up, we got the waiver wire snake draft. So check the timestamps down below. If you're watching on YouTube and want to skip around or, or an Apple podcast or whatever, you can skip as much as you want though. Uh, it hurts us deep inside and ruins our little memento book for our, our future, <laughs> our future anniversaries here in our domestic partnership. But tell me who hurt you. I feel like this is the thing that we sometimes skip. Tell me who hurt you. Cause it's weird. We go low, then high, then back low again. And uh, Mark Andrews just screwed me so bad this week and ironically in a game with the Colts where it's been T.Y. Hilton every week that just makes me feel like a dickhead. This week, Mark Andrews, one of the best tight end matchups on the board uh, according to any of the metrics you would look at with like PFF. I always check the the different matchup sheets that they have there with wide receivers and cornerbacks. Check the yards per route covered. That's usually a decent sign of just how things are going generally, though not perfect as Pete talked about earlier. Uh, But Mark Andrews, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get what's wrong with this offense. I don't get talked about Marquise Brown on Thursday too. He's still getting the deep looks. Nothing works for the team in Baltimore besides the defense and besides the run game. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. I I'm like, not, I, I think about fantasy strictly or uh, football strictly through a fantasy lens. Like I don't know the real life things that is going on with the Ravens. And, you know, I do know it was a bad matchup for them on the Colts. The Colts have really good linebackers. They keep things underneath. They don't allow big plays. I'm sure they had a game plan to contain Lamar Jackson rushing. And um, yeah, man, I was with you. I played Mark Andrews a lot. I thought he was way too cheap on DraftKings at 4,800. And even though we've seen the floor 
Like we know he can catch two touchdowns in any game. And so to see Nick Boyle outscore him, uh, I also had a lot of JK Dobbins and to Mm -hmm. see like Gus Edwards fumble in a crucial spot and then continue to get the work over Dobbins. I was, that game tilted me. I had a message in our discord for the tilt space where I was like, this Ravens Colts game is one of those games that make me never want to play fantasy again. That's <laughs> yeah. how upset I was by this game. So I mean, I took I, the I over you. in our ride or die pick. Cause I was like, maybe this gets a little loose. So all it takes is one score here. And no, you get Phillip rivers giving up picks. And do you see the one play where the guy just like jumped over his lifeless body on the floor? And he like <laughs> put his arms up like a turtle. <laughs> just- yeah. And then they also, they brought in Brissett too for Hail Mary. And like, this is Philip Rivers. One thing is that he had the cannon arm. Like he's the savvy veteran quarterback with a cannon arm and he can't throw a Hail Mary now. Like that's not great. Yeah. I I don't, I actually, I kind of like that call because I don't think he could throw a Hail Mary anymore too. I mean, he, his quintessential move, like his nickname for a while was Sir floats a lot because he just throws these like long floating ducks. I, I always remember, you know, like He'd have Mike Williams streaking and it'd just be like, oh, I pray to God that, you know, his arm motion is way out here and he's a disaster. And yet they still uh, were enough to fluster the Ravens today. I would say the guy that hurt me the most in my lineups, I had some really good lineups like Watson double stacks with Chark and I had Melvin Gordon in them. And um, I had done like little mini pairs with Melvin Gordon and Julio Um, and Melvin Gordon was really cheap and, I, I like getting a guy from each side of that game. And man, the Denver running game did absolutely nothing today. And, you know, Melvin Gordon had six targets last week. He's been involved in the passing game. So I was like, yeah, they might be down in a fast game. A lot of checkdowns. Well, Drew Locke did not check down to Melvin Gordon at all today. So Melvin Gordon hurt me pretty bad. Yeah, Melvin Gordon, a tough player to trust with Philip Lindsay back out there. And Drew Locke, uh, Drew Locke ran a little bit more today too. So that also hurts the check down game if Drew Locke is going to, be more mobile than he normally is. So definitely something to keep in mind there. And uh, yeah, just so many places. And, and one guy I just need to give a quick FU to is Marvin Hall. Um, you know, and granted his quarterback, Matthew Stafford, you might've seen some of the things in the, in the headlines out there of him. He had COVID or he was on the COVID list rather, didn't have COVID, had COVID exposure potentially to somebody ends up flying on a private plane to the game, ends up playing despite not being in practice at all. And I guess, you know, maybe not, you know, having that, that timing down with Marvin Hall, like Marvin Hall was out there for goal line plays and he's a little dude. And you would think they would bring in, you know, Cephas or maybe, you know, go double tight end or something. Hall was out there. He just did absolutely nothing. And then that was it. And, uh, you know, that's the risk, Pete, of the guy who we could credibly say might've had 40 air yards per target. Yeah, I know. That's the thing with the the boom bust deep threat wide receivers is you either look like an idiot or a genius and there's not much uh, room in between. Like if you want to play the Danny Amendola's and the Adam Humphreys, it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I, you know, they did fine. But with Marvin Hall, it's either victory laps or uh, telling who hurt you. It's It's one or the other. Yeah, and uh, he's no Olamide Zacchaeus. I think we all know that now, unfortunately, after the week has gone by. Uh, Let's do some stat shaming here. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, five stars interview helps us out a bunch. Uh, Stat shaming, shaming, of course, the time of the week where we asked, did these plays get unsustainable numbers or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of touches? And uh, the first one we have to hit on, Pete, I think is pretty obvious. Jerry Judy, seven catches this week, 125 yards and a TD on 14 targets. And... I will say, I, I, my first instinct here to see Jerry Judy walk by and go, I don't, I don't know about that. That doesn't seem like that's going to hold. But I do think with Jerry Judy, I think he's built for this life. I think he's built to be a thick boy in terms of his workload. And this is really what I think Tim Patrick being out last week was what he needed was like, just needed to see that Jerry Judy can be out there and get those snaps outside, not just running out of the slot like he did the first few weeks. And Jerry Judy and me, like if you have him in season long, I'd feel pretty good about it. And a DFS, I think, you know, depending where his price lands, like he's a dude I think you have to consider week in and week out now. Yeah, I'm not going to stat shame Jerry Judy. I mean, this guy was the 15th overall pick in this draft. A lot of people regard him as one of the best route runners in the league already. I saw AJ Brown retweeting a clip of Jerry Judy today, uh, praising him for his his route running. So um, this guy just has an incredible pedigree, you know, top player out of Alabama, Fred Bolitnikoff award winner. So like every single accolade you would want. So to me, the production is finally matching up to his talent and pedigree. And it was a little bit of a slow start. And I think we've been spoiled by Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool and all of these other rookie wide receivers getting off to fast starts. But I think he, this is something he can keep up. I think he definitely has one of the worst quarterbacks 
of all those other rookies who are popping off. And so his play will be a little bit more erratic, but I, I think he's going to be a great player in the league. And uh, I'm not going to stat shame Jerry Judy tonight. I think he's also going to benefit down the stretch here from not having Cortland Sutton out there. Like I think that made it tough on him in the beginning stretch of the season, but you know, I think it's something to keep an eye on with Jerry Judy because he's, I, he was a top prospect coming in and uh, that, there's a lot of reason that was, even though people forgot about that in the first half of the season. A uh, one guy, I think you can make a better case of stat chain would be Richie James. It was a Thursday night football game filling in on the COVID struck uh, Niners team had nine catches, 184 yards and one touchdown on 13 targets. Pete, do you want to stat shame Richie James for this this luscious performance he put on on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a kumbaya guy. I want everyone to do their thing, have their time under the sun, their 15 minutes of fame. But Richie James here, lucking out with no Debo Samuel, no Brandon Ayuk, all of these guys out, no Kendrick Bourne, and he was the last man standing. And uh, I guess some people would say, well, hey, 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 Trent Taylor was there, River Craft was there, and and that's my point. So Richie James, he sees the moment. But uh, those guys are coming back, and he is going to be relegated to uh, a complimentary role here soon. So I'm sorry, Richie. I have to stat shame you. So this might be a surprise. I'm actually not going to stat shame Richie James because he's quietly been a monster the last two seasons. He's had over two yards per route run, which is like a, a not a you know a, not an aberration as much as it might seem, where he's running less routes. Like he still was running a couple hundred routes in the last uh, last year in particular. So coming back in, I actually played a good amount of him on the showdown had him at captain too just didn't quite line it up the way that it should have but I agree that he's not going to have the work that's the risk but I do think if you know this team this Niners team that's so cursed as guys that continue to go down each week like yeah Kendrick Bourne's gonna be back it was a false COVID positive test so he and Ayuk should be back uh you know pretty much this week but Richie James if there is more injuries if Brandon Ayuk I don't know gets in some final destination situation where a log flies through his house and hits him in the face given that's how the Niners season is gone Richie James can be viable. So, Richie James, you look good, baby, and I think you're going to have better weeks to come. Uh, Let's talk about the last one here, and this is a double whammy. We haven't done a double whammy stat shame, but Drew Locke and Jake Luton, uh, 300 passing yards over that for both of them, over 25 DK points for both as well. And, uh, I, you know, I, you know, Pete, I, I have to not stat shame Jake Luton. He's, he looks good to me. And also quite frankly, a little scrawny. Like if he, he's not, he's not looking too thick at all in any part of his body, but I think these guys are going to be able to do this. It kind of, to me felt like this week was a, a changing of the guard week where we saw the younger guys get some chances and make it the most of it. So I actually, I might go over on my stat shames this week because wow. I don't think these guys are all amazing, but they're all capable of doing this regularly if given the chance. Yeah, so the thing, even if Luton gets a couple of starts, he has um, a really tough schedule coming up. So they got to go on the road to Lambeau outdoors here in the winter, although global warming is happening. So maybe it'll be 70 degrees there like it was today. Uh, That's a tough spot. And then they're at home versus the Steelers the Mm -hmm. next week. Um, So the schedule is a little tough. um, But to your point, I don't think there's that big of a talent gap between him and Gardner Minshew, if at all. So I don't think he's a huge downgrade, but I do worry about his production the next few weeks while Gardner Minshew is still getting back healthy. And as far as Drew Locke, um, his schedule isn't as bad. They play the Raiders and then the Dolphins. But again, I'm just going to lean back on what he's done this season, which has been a below average guy prone to errors, not throwing for a ton of yards. And he got the funnel. He got the really nice spot against the Falcons. And uh, I'll actually take that back. They play the Dolphins in two weeks. I mean, the Dolphins have had a a really good presence. So I think we see Drew Locke crash down to earth here. And I will, I'll stat shame. I'll stat shame them both. I don't even care. Shaming them both. (laughs) I I agree with the Jacksonville part of the schedule, though. You know, the Packers, we did see, uh, even with the depleted Niners team, you know, they got something going in the past game. So I don't know. I was just intrigued by the Luton uh, chart chemistry and, and Drew Locke. I think the Broncos schedule, you can make an argument, is actually pretty decent. The Raiders coming up next. We saw Justin Herbert get some results there. Um, not a good defense, even though they do kind of muck things up. Uh, the Dolphins, as Pete mentioned, coming up the week after. Uh, the Chiefs coming up a week after that or two weeks after that. They also play the Saints, so that's uh, maybe not the best, but uh, some hope for these young QBs, and we'll see how they handle it because I think you can judge a QB just as well by how he comes through in these good spots as well as he handles a bad spot. 
Uh, so we'll see over the next few weeks how these guys go. And now it's the time here that all the YouTube searchers out there, they're dying for it. They come here, their teams are floundering in season long, and they want us to give them picks. And we're just like, take four tight ends out, call me in the morning. <laughs> but it's week wire, uh, week nine or week 10, whatever, week 10 waiver wire snake draft. Uh, Pete, I will let you go first. Of course, the rules, we pick guys available on waivers before any show out there gives their waiver wire picks. And the player has to be owned under 40% of ESPN leagues. So, Pete, with that criteria in mind, who would be your number one overall waiver wire pick? Yeah, I'll preface this again by saying it's a pretty gross waiver wire week. I don't see any just absolute windmill slam dunks. Um, I think the best option right now, he's only 16% owned in ESPN leagues. It'd be Duke Johnson. So Mm -hmm. we have David Johnson leave with a concussion. We've seen these guys often miss a game in the concussion protocol. Um, And he had a really nice workload stepping in. He got 16 carries. He did have a rushing TD. Also got those valuable targets four receptions for 32 yards. So he really did step in and and fill that role. And I think he's worth a speculative ad on the off chance that David Johnson misses another game. It is a concussion situation. So um, seems a decent chance. We won't see David Johnson next week, but, and the Texans do have a game this week though. Actually, I've lost their schedule already. Let's see. Uh, the next couple weeks they're playing. Oh, they're playing the Browns next and the Patriots whose defense is not as good as it seemed. Uh, The Lions, I mean, it's not crazy to think that Duke Johnson could actually win the job. Yeah, I mean, and there were quote. It's so funny, like you can't even take it with, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because they're always like, we want to get Duke Johnson more involved. But there was that quote again this week that they want to get Duke Johnson more involved. So um, maybe this was enough for them to realize, oh, hey, it's okay if we give him 10 touches. So that's the nice thing, especially if you're in a PPR league. If he catches a few balls, he's not going to kill you. And then, you know, he still has some upside with his big playability. Um, for me, well, so interesting. There's one pick here that's close enough that I just feel like it's worth pointing out that Curtis Samuel uh, might be available in your league, 42% owned in ESPN. He doesn't fit our threshold, but uh, that's a guy who, as Pete mentioned earlier, getting a lot more work and uh, finally ingratiating himself to the coaching staff. So that'll be helpful for him. Um, I'm going to take Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's only 10% owned, and he is the guy who gets the deep shots on Green Bay. Like, he had a decent day against uh, against the Niners. Didn't, you know, didn't have a ton of yards, but did have the two touchdowns. Uh, so I do like Valdez-Scantling as a guy who is just underappreciated. And, like, there's no reason he's running so many routes per game. He's their number two receiver. Uh, Alan Lazard, I guess, could come back. But at 10%, I would still take that stab. Yeah, I like that. And I just realized, too, you have a little bit of game theory here and that you know you don't have to take Richie James early after I stat-shamed him, (laughs) and you can leave him for a last-round pick. Otherwise, I've gone back on my word. I see what you did here. Well, here's another one. There are some guys I do know you're not going to take. Like, I'm I'm probably going to take Jake Luton at some point here, but (laughs) I know that he wasn't going to make your list. The guy who took Ben DiNucci is probably going to take Jake Luton. (laughs) I was, you know, the thing that sucks is, like, I feel like a boy who cried wolf where, like, Garrett Gilbert might actually be that dude. And I feel like I'm like, oh, Ben DiNucci, mama me, I've been in. And it's like, no, and now Garrett Gilbert's like legit coming in and looking like a gunslinger. I know. It's true. You know, it, as long as you just keep throwing these darts on these fourth string quarterbacks, <laughs> you're bound to be right once. That's true. It's like a it's like a 50 percent hit rate, which make the Hall of Fame in baseball if you could pull that off um, for the turn. I'm going to take J.D. McKissick. Uh, one stat that I saw today that kind of blew my mind, you know, 36 percent target share. And it does seem like Alex Smith is going to use him like he's just basically like you're, you're Chris Thompson, right? Like Alex Smith is just confused. He's an old man. He doesn't know. And uh, McKissick got a ton of work this week um, as Pete actually picked in our rider die picks ended up outscoring Antonio Gibson. Uh, ben Gretsch on Thursday show talked about the high value targets that uh, that he's been getting in his situation here. JD McKissick is. I like him, and I think if you're running back poor, if you just have a bad situation there, like a dude is going to get uh, ten plus targets. Like why not? Yeah, uh, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Um, I think I am going to. I'm going to go a little off the board here. You know, normally I'm looking at things that happened this week. Who are some of the movers and shakers? Um, But one thing that happens to me sometimes when I do my waivers is I forget the guys that are coming off a buy. And some of them are in equally attractive situations, but it's just not as front of center. And I'm going to say Cam Akers, and he is rostered in 32% of leagues. The reason I thought of him is because in my main 12 team ESPN league, he had gotten dropped. And 
you know, we've seen this pattern happen with these rookie running backs coming out of the bye. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins getting more work, the team being like, we want to get these guys involved. And Darrell Henderson has been a little banged up. He's been dealing with some fumbling issues and stuff. And I think there's just enough of a window here where Sean McVay might come out of the bye and be like, you know what? We drafted this guy pretty highly. Let's see what he's got. He's looked good in, in, um, in their, in the short work he has gotten. And I think there's a path to him just taking over what Malcolm Brown has been doing because the team likes Darrell Henderson. They invested an early pick in him last year, but Malcolm Brown is, he's a dusty old vet. And if his role clears up for Cam Akers, I think he's gonna be pretty valuable. So I like throwing a dart on Cam Akers and just swinging for the fences with the upside. I'm actually looking up Malcolm Brown's age because I feel like you're so fast to call guys old and he's 27, which I guess for running backs, I'll allow it. But but you're on thin ice, counselor, <laughs> with your age. No, I, yeah, 27 for for running backs is like 85 years old for a regular <laughs> American. That That is fair. A lot of abuse at the position, though he was a backup, so a little bit less. But uh, you got the turn here, too, for your third round waiver wire pick. Yeah, I guess I will chase some points here and I will take – Irv Smith. Um, I, I kind of go after these tight ends each week, just because after the top three or four tight ends, and I don't even know if the list is that long now, it's just so flat and so gross. And, um, Irv Smith has flashed and Irv Smith has the kind of measurables and, and physical profile that gets you more excited about these tight ends who can make plays. And, you know, we now see eventually teams have to correct to Dalvin cook, right? Like you got to start stacking the box. And how did Irv Smith get his touchdowns today? Well, they're very nervous about Dalvin cook rushing it in and he's able to get loose there. And we've seen him even before the buy, he had a game with 64 yards, 55 yards. His yards haven't been there the past two weeks, but he had four targets today and they're high value targets turning two of those into touchdowns. So I'm willing to kick the, kick the tires on Irv Smith. I think that's smart. The routes have been there for him heading into today. He's running about 20 routes per game, um, which is enough to do damage as a tight end. If, and I think that's actually a pretty astute point. Like you don't want to ever try to predict those things too much. Like how's the defense going to adjust? Because we don't know. Like even if you watch all the film in the world, you don't really know. But I think you're right. Like they're going to have to go some other ways. It's probably going to benefit guys like Thielen and Jefferson more. But I do think Irv Smith, you know, he's running routes. He's out there. He, he does seem like he's getting more work than Kyle Rudolph on a play-by-play basis. Um, let's see for me, I guess at the turn here, uh, is, I hate this pick so much, but, and honestly, I don't get it. This is the dude's third team this year and it's so stupid, but Kalen Balazs, like what happened? He got 17 touches today. What, why, why they just signed him and then he, they, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. It has nothing to do with Kalen Balazs. All I know is the team hates Joshua Kelly. <laughs> they hate him. If you're giving Caleb Balazs 17 touches, I mean, Joshua Kelly did something so unforgivable that uh, he'll never see the light of day again. What did Justin Jackson do? Because he was one of my fades this week, so I didn't see him killing a lot, but I presume it must not have been good because I watched a lot of that game and it was just Balazs over and over and over again. And maybe well, he figured it out, but I don't well, know. Well, so the Jackson, I was shocked by his ownership. I didn't have, I think I had him in one lineup, but he was 45% owned in a lot of the, single entry did he not play he didn't he got injured during warm-ups it was before the game they said he's on the medical tent and then he got like a carry a quarter like they brought him in for a carry and they're like no he's done brought him in for another carry so i think he had like three or four touches the whole game and and completely bombed wow okay yeah it's it's not showing any stats for him on espn so maybe there's something weird with that but yeah that's that's an odd one so i yeah i Okay, Kalen Balazs. I hate Kalen Balazs so much. Like, he's one of those guys we heard so much about. And his Miami Dolphins, like, just effort and everything was bad. But then you watch a game like this, and he's good. And, I, like, is does he have some naked photos of every coach around? There's a Mike Zimmer sex tape that I know uh, people are shopping about. So maybe Kalen Balazs is an Anthony Lynn one in his back pocket. Wait, is that a real thing? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't want to say where it came from, but somebody I know... Uh, got pitched it where they're like, do you want to buy a Mike Zimmer sex tape with whatever the the hot like 40 year old gal that he's. Uh, I was going to say, because yeah. I, I hadn't heard about the sex tape, but I remember 
uh, photos of his girlfriend or whatever circulating. They're like, wow, Mike Zimmer is really outkicked the coverage here. <laughs> yeah, so I believe that's being shopped around. So if you see it somewhere, but the thing is like, there's no Gawker or Deadspin anymore to buy that kind of stuff. So that's the Subscribe downside. using our <laughs> promo code at Thrive so we can purchase the Mike Zimmer sex tape. <laughs> yeah, if we get enough signups, well, why not? Hey, <laughs> We'll buy it, we'll blur it, we'll run it on Splashlight, we'll do live commentary, we'll get some money out of that. That was always the end game for me with this podcast, was to get enough sponsorship money that we could purchase a sex tape for an exclusive unveiling. A watch party with the Splashplay listeners. Living the dream, one day, one day we'll get there. Uh, and then I have to close this out, I have the turn here. I have to close it out with Jake Luton. I just, I, I love the guy. I loved him coming in. I love that he threw the ball deep, which is the one thing Minshew doesn't do. He thinks, he thinks he's Joe Montana and a, a Bill Walsh offense throwing it left to right over and over again. And Luton just threw it up for DJ Chark threw some nice window passes too for guys like Tyler Eifert. Eifert had one really sick grab actually, but um, I just like what Luton did out there. Like he looked like he had good control, more mobile than people gave him credit for coming in, ran for that touchdown. Uh, you know, it's kind of the most ideal matchup that he had today. So that's a little bit of a concern, but I would take the stab here just because I like a, a deep armed, big or uh, deep throwing, big arm boy. And Jake Luton is very much that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, especially if, uh, if you're in, Two quarterback super flex leagues. I think he's definitely a guy. You need <laughs> you to are in a five quarterback league, Jake Luton. <laughs> if, if someone in a dark alley held up a gun to you and said, you must pick up this quarterback, I think it's okay to pick you up bastard. Jake Take your last pick in the waiver wire snake draft. <laughs> um, this is a guy I want to say I've touted on a previous waiver wire show. It's all a blur now. Um, but Gabriel Davis uh, looked pretty solid today. We talked about John Brown being a little banged up. He did have four for 70 and a touchdown. And what I'm is actually specific to this play is they play Arizona next week. And I expect that game to have a pretty big over under. I would assume it's similar to the Seattle game around 55, um, just a lot of points. And I think if you are trying to fight through the buys here, I think getting a guy like Gabriel Davis in a game where we're going to see a ton of points is sharp. And it's the same idea of you play David Moore in a game like today, or you play Demarcus Robinson. I think Gabriel Davis will check that box next week in a high scoring game. Um, also still 31, nothing in the Sunday night football game. This is an unbelievable, like why even show up if you're Tampa? And it's a home game too. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, it's really gross. Tough, tough times in Florida, I suppose. Um, all right, we're in the home stretch here doing the ride or die picks. So make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. And uh, again, if you want to get in advance of our free roll we'll be doing with Thrive Fantasy next week, we'll have more details on Thursday's show. But just sign up now. If you deposit between $20 and $50, they will match that deposit immediately so you can play with money on there. Um, that's free money, really. You just have to play it back again, and it'll be yours to keep and spend on whatever you want. So go to thrivefantasy.com, download Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or in the Google Play Store and use the promo code SPLASH. That'll give you that deposit bonus we talked about, and we'll have the details on that free roll coming up Thursday, so just do your sign-up now. Get in there. Pete, ride or die plays. I guess we owe a recap. It looks like you're going to win the week, uh, barring some fun results for Monday Night Football. I need a showdown, Captain Winner, but you had uh, you had six points this week. Um, I think not including this. You might have seven, including the Thrive pick of the week, and uh, I got three. Ben Gretsch did beat us both, so kudos to Ben Gretsch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that our first guest victory? I believe it is, yeah. I think the guests have been intimidated by both our beauty and our intelligence. And uh, Ben Gretsch, he doesn't fall for that BS. Yeah, I think the, you know, the show's a place for these guys you know, to let their hair down, let their hot takes fly, and uh, you know, we're capitalizing on that. Yeah, and of course, if you haven't watched the Thursday shows, you should be Ben Gretsch too, one of a one of our one of our better guests and one of our sharper guests too in terms of the data and how to manipulate it. So make sure uh, you check out his newsletter on Substack, bengretsch.substack.com, or follow him on at Yards per Gretsch. I don't know why I gave Ben like the best plugs I've given anybody in all of our stuff. Like I put like I link to his stuff. I feel like I just respect the hustle of starting a Substack. I was gonna say that that's what's uh, cool about Ben. I mean, to leave like he left CBS. I yeah. mean, to leave CBS, a major network, and to go launch your own thing, I think is uh, very commendable, and he's been crushing it. 
Yeah, so, so go support those guys. Obviously, we're in that same boat of being independent media providers, but go support uh, Ben Gretsch and follow at Yardsburg Gretsch. Uh, Pete, I'll let you take the first pick here for this really just a, a hideous game on Monday night between the Jets and the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots have 25.5 implied points. The Jets, 15.5 implied points over under a 41. That's just gross and has been bet, bet down throughout the week, down a point and a half. Also, Sam Darnold, doubtful, so... Given all of that, Pete, and have your pick of the litter. You know it's a bad game when Jacoby Myers' showdown salary is $9,000. <laughs> I like him a lot, too. <laughs> but, but that's, I'm fully with you on it. Yeah, it's, it's bad, man. Like, it's got to be a Cam Jacoby Myers thing, but I don't want to cloud your pick, so take Joe Flacco. Be brave. Um, I feel like we've settled into with our Monday night ride or die on Sunday of just taking a showdown captain. Yeah. Is that just what we're going to settle into? I, I think it's the highest upside play for these. And it's the best way to view it because like, I don't even have the projections for Monday night yet. Cause they're not out from, uh, from Osmo and some of the other sites that I, I put together an amalgam. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, I think this is, it's the best home run swing that we can take. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say that the jets interior run defense has been a little better than the rest. So I, I don't know. I'll say James white. Showdown captain, hoping he has one of those eight checkdown games, even though those have been hard to come by with camp. I'm going to go Jacoby Meyer, showdown captain. I, I even despite the price point that Pete mentioned, which is very funny. Uh, Myers has been looking pretty good. He's really the only guy doing anything out there besides Demir Bird. Uh, and Nikhil Harry, uh, remember when the Patriots fans all, you know, Pete, you're in the New England area. They were real excited for Nikhil Harry, and it does seem like that is that that ship has sailed. Yeah, uh, it, I don't think um, he's going to play. Uh, and I just, I have no idea what's going on with this team. I mean, this might be the least appealing game of the season that we've seen in an island spot. I don't know if I can yeah. think of a worse one than that. I'll say in the history of football. Like, <laughs> in, the, in the history, yeah. I wasn't hot enough with my take. Um, and uh, let's also do a Thrive pick for this one. Make sure you're playing on thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit and get in before we do our free roll next where you can compete against Pete, myself, our accountant, Willis, uh, fictional people like Trey. Now, I guess fictional people can't win money on, on Thrive. Trey has now been erased from Splash Play lore. But I'm going to I'm gonna parlay my pick of Jacoby Myers. He's 49.5 uh, prop here on Thrive. Thrive is pretty interesting to me. That's one that I would build my lineups around on Thrive for the tournaments that they'll have going on. But yeah, 49 and a half receiving yards. I'll take the over on that. All right, let's do it. What about you? Do you have a Thrive pick? Let me see here. I need to pull it up. Yeah, I should have put the link in. I I, I didn't prepare Pete for this adequately because you got to go right. to the props no, I, lobby. I, it's an easy, it's an easy uh, URL. Thrive uh, fantasy.com slash props lobby. And we're there. Maybe I, I think I might try to correlate here. So I'm going to check the James White. Yeah, I'll correlate this. If he ends up in the showdown winning lineup, he's going to have more than 23 and a half receiving yards. So I will hammer that for James White. Yeah, I like that one. 23 and a half seems pretty low for James White. So that seems honestly might be an easier one to hit than, uh, than Jacoby Myers will have. But those are the picks. Pete, any plugs you want to get in here before we call it quits and come back on Thursday after Thursday night football? Yeah, I'll be on my YouTube channel uh, tomorrow morning at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. I assume Spags will still be sleeping at that time. <laughs> I'll be recapping my DFS lineup, uh, which I don't want to do right now, but I will do it for you because as Spags and I know, you make a schedule and you commit to it week after week after week. That's, yeah, I've actually been up. I woke up this morning at six because I've been doing the awesome O live before lock shows on Sunday and I got to get my stuff in. I got to shower and get whatever. So basically I'm running like the stupidest 12 hour day of work possible where it's like one show in the beginning, one show at the end and in between just crying over <laughs> terrible lineups and mistakes I've made. So that's my plug. Follow at Chris Bax, follow at Splash Play Pod, um, follow Peter Overzet, follow Yardsburg Gretsch, follow whoever our <laughs> guest is on Thursday, and make sure to check out Thrive Fantasy for yourself, really. If you're building a bankroll, uh, no no shilling here. Just honestly, just take the deposit bonuses wherever you can get them. Thrive's offering you an instant one, so go use the promo code SPLASH over at thrivefantasy.com. And we'll be back on Thursday, so good luck tomorrow. Enjoy the, the crap fest on Monday Night Football, and we'll see you guys again soon.